So our series is called Go Outside. We are in the last part. This is the last part of it. First two parts are up online, um, but they're, they're there for you to be able to look and see and listen and hear, and uh, we appreciate you doing that, especially if you have friends that are going through really hard times. This little series, I designed it to help people going through really hard times because when you're in affliction, you can get lost inside that affliction and lose the aspects of truth that can help you. You can lose the concepts if you're not careful, and so part one of our series, we, we talked about this in part one, that... All of your trials and afflictions and temptations are filtered by your heavenly Father. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 says you'll never be in a temptation or a testing that's beyond your ability, but he will make a way of escape, and he's filtering it all. And we looked in the book of Job at how God um, allowed Satan to do so much, but then every time Satan wanted to attack Job, God set the boundaries. He said you can do this, but not this. This is your boundary. And because God knows what our, our strengths are. And I'll just tell you real quickly, uh, there are times when I'm in my office and, and I'm ministering to, to somebody that's been through just a terrible, terrible situation. But when, you, when people are in my office going through great trials and troubles, and I mean the trials they've been through are 10 times what I've ever experienced. I've experienced a few things in my life, but nothing like what they're going through. I mean, there's just one challenge after another and they're sitting there wanting counsel from me. And I have to tell them this, and this is just the truth. This is how I feel about it. The warrior in the room is in the chair across the desk from me. You're the warrior. God's put you in a battle, and I'm just, I'm an armor bearer. You know, in the Old Testament, there were these armor bearers. They would, they would take, take equipment to the guy out there on the field and go, hey, here you go. Good luck with that. That got that looks dangerous. <laughs> You're in a battle, buddy. Here, I'm your armor bearer, and I'll give you your armor, but I'm hiding in the tent till it's over, right? And as a pastor, sometimes when you're in great trials, the Lord's the Lord's counted you to be the warrior. You're mighty in strength, and you, and they come in sometimes all broken down, like oh, I'm just this is terrible, and you know what's happening. And I'm going wait, wait, wait. Out of the two of us in the room, you know who God sees as the warrior? Not me. I'm just an armor bearer. I've got a couple of Bible verses that can help you, but that's all I can do. You're the one in the battle, which means God trusts you with this massive fight you're in because he knows what you're made of. So don't let somebody that's, that's getting all beat up in their trials and affliction and just life's happening hard to them, don't let them get all weary and down on themselves. That means they're literally mighty warriors in God's army. And God said, you can handle this. You can take this on. This will be all right. And at the end of it, you're still going to glorify me, which is the whole point, right? That's kind of how Job works. So we've had to learn that the afflictions are not wrath. The trials that we face, they're not judgment and punishment on us. And God hasn't given us something unreasonable to bear. The second truth that we've learned last week was God is helping us at all times, at all times. He never looks away. At all times, he's helping us, even when it feels like he's not. We used the story from Mary, Martha, and Lazarus uh, last week because we had uh, just to look at how it felt to be Mary and Martha, whose brother died, even though Jesus said not going to die. His sickness is for the glory of God. They couldn't process how something else could be different once he died. To them, time ran out and the ability to solve it ran out. But Jesus is never on our time frame, ever, ever. One of my guys that I love and talk to at the Mission of Hope, when I'm out there um, 
what he and I were talking, and he said, you know, it feels like God shows up sometimes at like 12 o'clock instead of, you know, he's the God of 11.59, 12. I said, he's the God of 12.10 for me. You know, it's like way past when he should be here. 2 a.m. in the morning is when he shows up, and I thought he was going to be here at midnight. But that's God. He gets to do that because he knows what's best for us, and he's helping us. So God's helping us even when it feels like he is not helping us. And with that word not, I want to share two knots with you. Not K-N-O-T's, but two knots in the Bible. The first one's been really hard for me for the last several years. Just this, about two weeks ago, putting all this together, it started coming clear. This Bible verse started finally coming clear to me. There's a verse in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. It says, Let us not be weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. It's a great translation of that verse. And we used to say this phrase all the time, do not grow weary in well-doing. Don't grow weary in well-doing. And I would go, Lord, I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm trying to do well, and I'm exhausted. But I'm exhausted physically. I may be exhausted. Here's how the Lord's kind of unraveled this for me in the last few weeks. I may be exhausted physically. I may be exhausted mentally. But I'm not exhausted of doing well. Don't grow weary in well-doing. In other words, keep on doing it. Don't give up is the whole point of that deal. You can be tired and still do good things. It's not a, I kept thinking, that weary word kept hanging me up because it's sort of a personal thing. Thinking, I'm really weary of this. But it's, but it's not weary in life. It's not weary of everything. It's weary of taking another step towards good. Weary of taking another opportunity to minister and help somebody. And even when you're exhausted and you're hurting, if the Spirit of God is with you and on you, you can be a huge blessing to people. I've watched it happen time after time. I've seen people in hospital beds literally minister to the people around them while they're being cared for by the people at the hospital. And they're the ones in pain. They're the ones under surgery. They're the ones undergoing treatment for something, and they're ministering. They're weary. Their body's weary. Their mind's weary. Their spirit's weary, but they're still doing well. And so this knot uh, has, had stumped me for a long time, and I've had to learn that I can... How many of you, by the way, would just show of hands and say, I've been weary, right? But see, how all of you are weary, but you're still doing good things. So you're actually not, I thought I was disobeying this verse because I was like, well, I'm tired. It's not weary of well-doing. Don't grow weary in doing well. In other words, don't stop that. Even if you're physically tired, emotionally tired, spiritually tired. And then this second knot is the one we're going to build our message around today. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. And the key to not being weary, the key to not being weary, which also one translation says, do not lose heart. I think New American Standard says, in Galatians 6, do not lose heart. Uh, but the key is in this in these verses of 2 Corinthians 4, therefore we do not lose heart. Now watch how it goes outside and in. Though our outward, though outwardly we are wasting away our physical body, but inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, our light and momentary troubles. By the way, who, who knows who wrote uh, 2 Corinthians? Just out loud, who wrote 2 Corinthians? The, 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 God's the author. Who's the writer? Paul, the apostle. Would you, would you look at his life for any second of any minute 
where he's being chased out of town, stoned to death, where he's, he's being uh, persecuted by the Jews, persecuted by the Romans, where he's being mocked by people, where he's locked up in prison, putting stocks and chains. And then, and then he's had to be miraculously rescued from that by an earthquake, but then he has to go back to jail of his own accord that same night in Acts chapter 16. He has to go back into jail with the Philippian jailer. Then, then he's in prison for two years, chained to a guard. Remember all that? Two years. That's actually, they're almost, I think, three and a half years. But he's in, he's in jail for two years when he writes the, the Philippian letter. And at the end of his life, uh, he's in jail for years and years till they cut his head off. And he goes, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs those troubles, far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. What is seen is temporal, but what is unseen is eternal. What is unseen is eternal. Very strong truth this morning. And I just want to wrap, get you to wrap your head around it. First, there's four ways to not lose heart. Four ways to not grow weary in well-doing. Four ways to... To, to literally face these trials that we're in and see hope in that. So let me give you the four, the four of them in a row here. And the first one's built off this, this deal. We can be renewed and strengthened in your weariness. Don't you want to be strengthened and renewed? Strengthened, built up from the inside, renewed in your spirit. First of all, Corinthians says, when we contemplate spir- the spiritual and the eternal things. Now, when you contemplate spiritual and eternal things, are you focused on the inside or the outside? You're you're coming from outside. You're looking at the outside God picture of things. When we focus our lives and contemplate on spiritual things, focus on the spiritual man and let it grow stronger, it helps our physical man. Jesus has this great health plan. You know, as we all get older... uh, Everybody's got some sort of health plan they're trying to get on. And man, they're just all over the internet. I don't know what I've clicked on somewhere along the way, but but you know, Google's tracking my everything. And so I'm all the time getting these ads for, you know, health plans and intestinal health and, you know, you know, mental health and body health and lose this, that, and all this. It's just one health thing after another. And there's thousands of them. You know, and everybody's got an idea. You know, you need to eat a whole lot of meat and nothing else. And don't eat a whole lot of meat. Eat a whole lot of vegetables and nothing else. And, you know, then they show you pictures of something that came out of some guy and go, this is what he had when he ate this. And I'm going, I don't know what that is, but I don't like that. You get all freaked out. There's all these things. But I'm telling you, the spiritual health plan is right here. If you want to be healthy, really healthy, even physically, you help yourself when you focus on your spiritual man and you renew yourself And focus on the things of the Spirit of God, not on earthly things. Don't dwell in earthly things. Focus on future glory. Future glory. Right? Remember what Jesus told the woman at the well? If you would drink the water that I offer you, listen to this, you would have a a wellspring springing up inside you that would cause you to never thirst again internally. Your mind and your spirit and your soul will never, ever thirst again to be satisfied. That's that's fantastic health, by the way, when you get that. That's what he offered her, and that's what she eventually took. If you would trust in him, you have this living water. So we focus on 
the future glory, not the eternal, the temporal. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. It's not going to be in your notes, but you should add it in here. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1 says, Set your affections on things above, not on the things of this earth. Set your affections on things above. The things above, it actually says where Christ is seated, are in heaven. Dwell in heaven with your thoughts a lot. Think about heaven a lot. Well, that person's so heavenly, so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. I'm telling you, that drives me nuts when people say that. I'm getting old enough that I'm liable to actually hurt somebody for saying that to me. There's no way to be too heavenly minded according to the Bible. You know, well, their head just lives in a cloud. They're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. The more heavenly minded you are, the Bible says, the healthier you are, the better minister you become. Set your affections. Think about that word. Set your affections, the desires of your heart, the desires of your mind and your heart. Set them on things above. I long to be able to give Jesus at his return or my return to him or his return to me, whichever one happens first. I long to be able to give him treasures. Treasures. You think I want to give him like this really awesome compound bow I bought several years ago? Saved up forever to get that new bow. You think that's the treasure he wants is my bow? Now, I like that bow a lot. It's important to me. Don't mess with my bow. Do you think that's the treasure I'm saving up for him? No. No. The treasures are in heaven. And I have to store them up there so when I get there, I can give them to him. And it's when I have a conversation with somebody just trying to encourage and help them. When I offer counsel or help to somebody that's in need. When I take food to somebody that needs food. When I bring comfort to somebody that's in the hospital, I'm storing up treasures. I'm just asking you, are you, are you heavenly minded? You're supposed to be heavenly minded. Set your affections on things above. We do not lose heart when we look. Look at this phrase. We do not lose heart when we look at what we cannot see. I love how the Bible writes those kind of things. That's what it says. You will not lose heart when you look at what you cannot see. Well, Lord, I don't know if you know this, but if I can't see it, how can I look at it? I bet you do it all the time, though. Have, have, I'm just going to ask this. You might freak me out if you raise your hand. Has anybody physically seen Jesus in your whole life? I mean, physically, like he walked into your room and said, hey, or, you know, stood by you or something? Whew, okay, good. <laughs> me neither. Okay, we're good. But here's the deal. Don't you know what his voice sounds like to you? Don't you know what his word is like when you're in deep need and he comforts you in one of these afflictions and trials? You know exactly what that is. That's the unseen. And we have this faith that one day, that which is unseen, my eternal home in heaven that he's built for me because he wants me to live with him forever. My eternal home in heaven is going to be where I dwell and he is going to dwell there with me. I can see that in my head, in my spiritual heart, spiritual eyes. My spiritual eyes are open to that. So when we dwell on what is unseen, we actually get really healthy and we renew our spirit. We don't lose heart when we look at what we cannot see. We have to look with eyes of faith and look with eyes of hope. You have to have faith and hope. And sometimes your faith gets really low. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Sometimes we let the word get distant from us and our faith gets low. And you got to either get back in the word or you got to get a friend to come alongside you and go, come on, man. Let me read you some Bible. See, that's almost always what I do in my office when somebody's going through a deep trial and they're just really struggling. I'm just the armor bearer. 
I just take the word of God and hand it to them. I say, here's a, here's a verse that comes to mind. When you talk, the Lord's given me this verse. Let's read it out loud and just see if it helps. I'm an armor bearer, just giving you truth to bear up and help you so you don't lose heart. You need to see what you cannot see. <clears throat> There's a little song that we sing that says exactly what we're saying you can't do. We sing this song with, with great enthusiasm, but you're saying you can't do it when you just ra didn't raise your hand, right? Sing it with me. It goes like this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. thought you said you couldn't do that. You do it all the time, though, don't you? When we sang that song, you pictured your eyes being on Jesus. And you're, you're, the world got really small in that moment. That's how it's supposed to work for us. We don't become discouraged and wearied and anxious in our trials while our outer man may be decaying, our physical body, our inner self is being renewed. So I have to renew my inner self daily by contemplating the things of God. Secondly, I'm renewed when I confess my sins. That's a renewal moment. Confession of sin is a renewal moment. And we're supposed to confess our sins daily. By the way, not to me. I'm your pastor, I'm not a priest. So you don't have to come to me and I'm not going to help you. I'll help you through it if you need it. But for the most part, you, can, you do it all by yourself. Psalm 51, verse 10, here's what David says. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Psalm 51 is a psalm of confession where David's confessing to the Lord against you and you only have I sinned. I was born into sin and I've sinned a bunch against you. Create in me. God, take my sin and, and cleanse it and create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. How do I renew my spirit within me? How do I live stronger and renewed and steadfast in my heart? I literally have to confess my sins to him. 1 John 1 verse 9. Very important memory verse. If you've never memorized this, I really encourage you to have your children, your child. You can have your child memorized right here on the spot. We just made do it now. But, but you can have a memory verse that would really help you is 1 John 1, 9. The first five words are us. The first five words are about us. If we confess our sins. So if Stan, if I confess my sin, that's all about me. The rest of the verse is about him. You ready? God is faithful and just. And he will forgive me and cleanse me from, say the next word, from all unrighteousness. Wait a minute. So when I confess my known sins to him daily, the, the grammar there is daily, regularly do this. I do it multiple times a day, really. When, when, when I confess my sins to him daily, he cleanses me from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. So I can stand before the Lord completely clean like Jesus every time I confess my sins. Why wouldn't you want to do that a lot, by the way? Completely clean. And you have, to, you have to take by faith that he's just going to do that for you every time. Now, I want to tell you this, and I, I talk to the couples about it when we do premarital counseling. Um, I share this with the couples, and 
if you if you let sin dwell in your heart, it will create barriers between you and those you love in relationships, between you and your spouse. And just a few nights ago, I grumped at my wife. She, she I know it's hard to believe. You're going, why is he our client? Is he still our pastor? How could that happen? But I did. She came in, and you know what? She was incredibly good to try to know I was going to grump and try to undercut it. You know, she came to tell me, she goes, hey, you know, maybe when you do this, sometimes you're, and don't get upset. She did the whole don't get upset thing. You know, just listen, hear me out. Maybe you need to, you know, just do it like this instead. You know, just like that. What are you talking about? You know? That little Givens moment happened there, you know, and uh, we had a little Givens reunion at my uncle's funeral uh, last week. We, a lot of us older cousins talked about our Givens moments, but but I was un, unfair to her. You know why I did that though? Not because she was wrong. By the way, she was right. You know what she was doing was good. But I had unconfessed sin that day. I had I had let myself get all wound up about some stuff and angry with me and God and everything else, and I was. And normally, that's what I teach couples. On my way home, I have this little routine. I say, God, I'd really like to walk into my house as a righteous man today. And the only way I could do that is confess my sins. So let me think about all the things. All right, that guy that cut me off in the traffic, yep, I'm mad at him. Gosh, I could just beat his brains up. All right, I'm going to confess my sin toward him, my hatred toward him. Um, the people that called, and I'm you know, confessing that, Lord. I'm confessing doubts and fears and anxieties and worries, and I'm confessing everything I can. So on the way home, I'm saying my sins out loud. That's what the word means in First John 1, 9, say them out loud. And when I get to my driveway and I'm all clean and confessed, I can walk into my house with no walls between me and God, which means there's no walls between me and Annette, me and Josh, or me and Dakota, my dog. We're good. We're all good. And I, and you can be upset at me about anything, and I don't have to jump down your throat because I'm clean. I can just go, hey, I know I'm an idiot. It's okay. I shouldn't have done it that way. That's what I should have said. I shouldn't have done that that way. Instead, I wanted to be defensive, right? It's because I had sin in myself that I hadn't confessed well. You know, and then, of course, I couldn't sleep that night because the Lord's going, you're an idiot. You're just an idiot. Think. You know, you teach people how to do this, and then you'll do it yourself. You're really stupid. So the Lord had to teach me how to confess again. And I'm reminding you that you renew your spirit by confessing, by confessing the truth. Thirdly, we renew our spirit when we commit our life to God daily. Say, well, I've already committed my life to God when I trusted him as my Lord and Savior. When you trusted him as your Savior, you confess that to him hopefully publicly. By the way, we're praying for, and if you have any extra cash floating around, uh, we need about 150 bucks left. Uh, we got a little baptistry we're going to put back there where Miss Barbara's sitting. Miss Barbara, you're going to have to move forward a little bit because we're going to put a baptistry right there where you are. Got a little baptistry we're working on getting for back there uh, so we can do indoor baptisms, and we're really anxious to do that real soon. So if you got a little extra cash you can throw our way, we want to see that happen real soon. Um, but here's the thing. You say, well, I've already confessed the Lord. And, I, and I've committed myself to him when I ask him into my life and maybe when I was baptized. That was part of that. This is different. Romans 12 says this. I urge you by the mercies of God, present your bodies. If you could add a word in right there in your Bible, if you have your physical Bible. I know your electronic Bible, you got to put a note out to the side or some sort of scrolly thing. I don't know. But if in your physical Bible, it literally is grammatically present your bodies daily. A living and holy sacrifice. It means every day. Every day, wake up and go, today, Lord, 
I'm presenting myself to you, a living and holy sacrifice. Jack Skinner does this every morning. He quotes this whole little thing out to the Lord every morning when he gets up. And he tries to live his life out in service for others, not for himself. Present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, which is your service of worship. Don't be conformed, be transformed by the renewing. There's our renewal word. So that you can prove what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. So we present ourselves to him as a servant. You know what we do in the morning? If you really want to renew yourself every day, when you wake up, don't say, God, here's what I need your help with. Say, God, what do you need my help with? That's a very different prayer, by the way. And you can pray about what you want help for. I just wouldn't put it first. I would really learn to pray, Lord, I want today to be all about you. Now, I've got some things I'd like to talk to you about as we go through the day, but it's all about you, so tell me how to help you. What do you want me to do for you today, Lord? How can I help you? What can I do to help you, right? So we renew ourselves by becoming a servant. Matter of fact, uh, 1 Corinthians, we are to serve and worship God daily, according to this verse. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1, start, which is the verse we started this whole teaching with, 2 Corinthians 4, uh, verse 16, Therefore do not lose hope. The very first verse in that chapter says this, Since we have this ministry... Since we have this ministry, do not lose hope. Since uh, January, the last Sunday of January, whatever date that was, I don't know in my head. Since the last Sunday of January, which was Vision Sunday for us, I think it was the 25th maybe. The last Sunday of January, I've called y'all something as a title. Y'all know what I've called you? You're my, say it again. You're my missionaries, right? Missionaries have ministries. Since you have the ministry, don't lose heart. Well, how am I not going to do that? I'm going to renew myself. I'm going to contemplate eternal things. I'm going to contemplate not temporal things, but eternal things. I'm going to confess my sins, and I'm literally going to figure out a way to commit myself to God daily and say, Lord, I'm, I'm your missionary today. Tell me how to be a missionary. Show me a mission field that I can serve in today. You know, Josh, my son Josh and I um, eat probably once a week. We get to go out uh, and eat at uh, Heroes up here. Um, by the college, the one not, not the one downtown, by the college. And my little routine for years, uh, somebody taught me how to do it. I didn't figure it out myself, but you just ask the waitress when they come to bring your food, hey, we're about to pray over our food. Is there anything we can pray, you, pray for you? There's a young lady named Brandy. Y'all can pray because I believe one day Brandy's going to be here. K Kendall knows her. And I knew her long before I did. We went there to lunch one day together today and we're like, oh, you know what I know too. But Brandy prays with us now, literally. At the table, when, when we have lunch there, um, she will bring the food, and if somebody else brings it out, she'll run behind them and grab Josh's hand in my hand. She's like, who's praying today? She's ready to go because we've been ministered to her. And you know what? She's told us a ton of what's going on in her life. You know, and we've helped pray uh, for her sister. Her sister had a, a, a child that she didn't want, and it looked like she was going to get an abortion. And we just prayed. Josh prayed this incredible prayer over that. You know, and now now she's she's getting help in the women's resource center and other places are ministering to her and all that's changed. And and this this girl has just found that, you know, there's a couple of guys I can pray for. When we went in this past week, you know, we went in early uh Wednesday, we were or Thursday, I don't even know what day it was. But anyway, she was just beeline to our table. Said, I am so glad you're here today. I'm having a terrible day. It's been terrible. I just need it. And I asked, she said, just a few minutes ago, ask God, send those guys in that can talk to me and help me. 
we were the guys. So we sat down and talked to her. We actually showed her some quotes from the sermon from Sunday about affliction, you know, that God's not mad at her and, and uh, God's going to get her through all this and she needs, needs to see it from God's perspective. And we prayed with her right there at the table as a, because we're ministers. That's not because I'm a minister. It's because we're believers. We're missionaries. That's our mission field. You know, heroes is our mission field. Just happened to be where we were when we needed to meet somebody, right? You got mission fields all over the place. When you go to the grocery store and you help somebody get something off a shelf or put something in their cart, it's a mission field. It's an opportunity. I want you to be thinking about how to minister to people. I want you to think about LeBaron Woods. really want you to be praying about that. I walked uh, almost two hours in LeBaron yesterday. I actually went an extra lap because nobody was out. Like, come on, God, somebody's got to come out of our house today. I finally met this guy that was walking. And we talked for a few minutes, but I just, I want us to pray for this neighborhood church, this neighborhood that's right by our church. Love our neighbors as ourselves. Amen. So please be praying about how to do that. Number four, we're renewed when we confirm our faith with truth. You actually can greatly renew and strengthen your inner spirit man, the spirit of God in you, when you confirm your faith with truth. Lamentations chapter three the book of Lamentations is the prophet Jeremiah's great lament. I shared this at uh, Darlene's dad's uh, funeral this past week. It's the lament. It's his weeping. As a prophet, he's weeping that everything's gone wrong. And when Jeremiah was called to be a prophet, God told him, I'm going to get you to prophesy to Israel and call them out of their sin. I want them to repent and change or great judgment is going to come upon them. So Jeremiah did everything he could. God had to do some crazy stuff, and they never, ever repented. And when you get to the lament, Jeremiah is literally walking around the city of Jerusalem. All the outer walls that were their protection and barriers and safety have been crushed. The temple's been crushed and burned. The, the, the Babylonians have come in and slain the priests on the altars in the temple along with pigs. They've actually taken, you know, unclean animals into that temple and slain them to, to just mock God. And Jeremiah's walking around with dead bodies everywhere of his own, own people and his hometown, God's people, who would not listen. And he's so broken, he says in Lamentations 3, he says, I've cried all the tears I can cry. I have no more tears in my tear ducts to cry. I've groaned and moaned to God for so long. And I'm heartbroken. But then he has this incredible truth. He says, I'm in, I'm in affliction and wanderings and wormwood and bitterness, but my soul, watch him go outside. My soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind. And I have hope. How in the world would you have hope in that setting? Well, here's what he says. The Lord's loving kindnesses never cease. Loving kindnesses is a Hebrew word that we don't have a Greek word, to do, uh, an English word to, to go with, by the way. <laughs> It's two English words that are our, some of our best you can be. A person that's very loving and very kind, right? We would use the word in the New Testament, grace. The Lord's grace never ceases. His compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You hear him declaring truth in his pain? He's in great affliction and pain, and he's declaring this truth because he's Literally building up his inner spirit. He's renewing himself by clinging to truth. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. Therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks in him. And this last little phrase is really hard. This is verse 26. 
It is good to wait silently for the salvation of the Lord. To wait silently. Silently, not moaning and begging and griping and groaning. Just to wait silently. Be still and know that I am God. And wait on Him because Psalm 46 says, He is my refuge and my strength. He's my refuge and my strength. So I just want to encourage you that we have to affirm truth. We don't just wallow in pain or stay inside your head. Your trials and your pains are there to grow you up in your faith. And in order to grow, in order to be renewed or strengthened, you got to go outside of your pain and speak truth, declare truth. I'm a big fan of saying them out loud, right? So if you if you have to do it, in your, go outside and lock yourself in your car and say it out loud, that's fine. If you can do it while you're walking, you know, wherever you can find a little quiet place, you can get in the bathroom, turn the showers on, and, you know, speak it out loud. But speak truth out loud. It's meant to be declared. That's why it says in Galatians chapter 6, reckon yourself to be dead to sin. The word reckon means say it out loud. Say it's truth. Say it out loud. I declare myself to be dead to sin and alive to Christ. I'm surrendering myself to God. Lord, I declare myself to be your servant today. We have to speak those truths out. So great truths are needed when you have great affliction. The greater your affliction, the greater the truth. Do you think there's not enough truth in the Bible to cover your affliction? Do you think that? Because I promise you, whatever affliction you've got, he's got a greater truth for it. And that's how you get help. When you're in great pain, you need great truth to help you. And you just need to search the scriptures. And by the way, sometimes you might not be able to see one. You just go, oh man, I'm having a hard time. And you go to just go to an accountability friend, go to a church member, you know, go to a pastor if you need to. But all of you know as much Bible as I do just about. I mean, really, you do. Probably do. Some of you know more Bible than I know. So all you got to do is literally just get up against somebody with the word and go, hey, man, I'm in great pain. Can you just, can you just quote me a verse that will help me? Right? Can you find something that would help me? And by the way, your first shot at that may not be great. I remember when my ankle was broken. Uh, on a sea-do accident uh, in Birmingham. I was in a giant accident in a sea-do and broke my leg in three places, and I was in the van, our church van. The ambulance couldn't get to where we were on the lake because it was so windy up in the roads. They said, we need, you need to load him in the church van and bring him up to a hospital in, in the town. And so they did that. My pastor buddies did that. There's a pastoral retreat. all pastors. And uh, they loaded me in this van in a chaise lounge chair. That's the kind of chair that just folds out flat to like sun in on the deck. They, they made a stretcher out of that, put me on it, and, uh, and took the center seat out of the van and slid me up in the van. And then a couple of guys rode in that next seat hanging on to it while we were sliding around. It's all real safe, by the way. We were, yeah, terrible, terrible way to do all this, by the way. I would not recommend it. But I remember my, one of my mentors is Drew Ramsey. And he was seated next to me, and I was trying to stay out of shock. My, my foot wouldn't, both my knees were pointed straight north, and one foot was north and one foot was completely east. And it was weirding me out a lot, So, because um, nothing I could wiggle or make happen would change that foot. And uh, I remember getting queasy, and I would tell Pastor Drew, can you just, can you just, man, give me a Bible verse, Drew, I need a verse, need a verse. And I was in pain, and I needed a verse. And, and so, and he was sort of panicked as well. He wasn't enjoying any moment of having to rescue me and all that. 
and uh, bless his heart. He's a, he's my senior mentor, and he's been a great mentor in my life, all my life. Um, but he just grappled for a verse, and so here's what he did while he's holding me. I guess he was thinking about the broken leg. He goes, just remember the Lord's bones were broken for you. And I remember, I remember, you know, my, my head got real clear for a second. I went, no, they weren't. I think it's the other, I don't think the Lord had a broken bone, did he? You know, and then I'm asking the van driver, Kim, our music director at the time, I'm asking Kim, did, I'm re- looking around him, going, did, did Jesus have any broken bones? I'm, I'm trying to wrestle with my theology for a minute, going, that, that doesn't work, right? So you may not get it right the first time, but you can comfort somebody if you just spend a few minutes thinking about the word to help them. And it takes the word to build us up in our faith. It takes the word to renew us and strengthen us. And I want to encourage you to do that. Some of you did it this morning as we just quoted truth to one another, right? He'll never leave us nor forsake us. It can feel like he has. How God, you're far off, but he's not. Amen.